You're listening to Sideshow Network. What's going on, everybody? It's your friend, Yombre Malik Forte, joined by Michelle Morrow, as usual. And this is the Status Effect Podcast. What's up, Michelle? Hey, Malik. How you doing? I'm doing good. Episode 34. Man, we're up there. We're uh, getting there. We're, we're still millennials, though, I think. That's still a millennial range, is right? Really? Is it? I don't know. It always changes. Uh, wait, it gives not, me anxiety. You're a millennial if you're born on yeah. or before 1985? Uh, I've, heard, I've heard so many. I think 80, 80 maybe. Something like that. Yeah, I don't I know. I didn't do my research. But we're doing all right. It's 34. Uh, and thanks to all of you subscribers out there who have subscribed to the Status Effect podcast on iTunes or wherever else that you're on it. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, we just started a new Twitter account at Status Effect pod uh so please follow us there as well and um yeah so what's going on this week malik uh you know you know you know because you're in the middle of this bullshit (laughs) like me we're getting ready for uh it's not bullshit it's It's, actually really good uh we're getting ready we're getting ready for blizzcon yeah blizzcon uh this will be blizzcon 2016 in anaheim california november 4th and 5th um it's blizzard's huge celebration of all things their video games so it's yeah. like six big games and what's cool about this one in particular is it's the 25th anniversary of blizzard entertainment mm-hmm. the 20th anniversary of diablo and um the 10th anniversary of blizzcon itself yeah so not to mention there's going to be five major esports events i mean first Malik big overwatch I, tournament man oh yeah you like that's got to be the thing the esport you're most excited about of course yeah. um that game has consumed my life over the last four or five months so it only makes sense i can't wait to see it in this format oh yeah yeah like the you mean overwatch the world cup this format with uh, all the countries coming and represent yeah no because there's so many good players across all the teams and you know in pro overwatch for those of you who don't know uh all the pro teams are just a mixture of like different countries and so now these guys are being separated to represent their countries, and it's, it's wild. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing about esports comparatively to traditional sports. It's really hard to, to wrangle, you know? Like, there's not, like, people are from all different countries all over the place. Um, it's just, yeah. yeah, so I like the way that they're doing it this time. Yeah, it's the Olympics all the time. Yeah, it's cool. E-sports. It's cool. It's just, it's nice to see. So, um, but BlizzCon is, I mean, there's going to be celebrations. And I don't know if they've announced, uh, well, they have announced the band, but we've got people, maybe somebody's listening and we can't say anything. Malik and I are basically under NDA handcuffs. Oh, yeah, we, we know so many so secrets. Much stuff we right know so now. many secrets. Oh, we cannot wait for you guys to know. This is the know? worst part about like working BlizzCon because I, I, I miss the days of just going and getting the surprises. I don't want to notice stuff yeah. in advance and have to shut up for yeah. so long. But it is cool that coming back two years in a row, this is going to be your third. This will be my third, yeah. yeah. How does it feel, like, third time? I mean, around. it feels surreal at times. I mean. You say the third time's a charm. Is it? Is it? Yeah, is there anything is. more charming about this time? I don't think so. I mean, it's you got all the big anniversaries. I'm surrounded by my friends. I mean, I've got Malik at the desk with me. I've got you, and I've got, you know, Alex Albrecht. Wait, you said Malik awesome. and me. Like, I'm, the, like, oh, you, I'm Malik two and, different and you, people. Like, you could be. You could be two of you. <laughs> Just, like, you're going to have to be that split focus. We don't die. Times. We multiply. I clone myself. <laughs> And we got we got Alex again yeah, Alex uh, and from Half Hour Happy Hour. He's been on the podcast before. So we're just going to have yeah. a blast. Um, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, I've been really catching up on Warcraft lately. It is a beautiful expansion. Don't you have like a tri-guild now? Yeah, we ended up um, we ended up merging three guilds into ours um, in full. So now our membership's insane. There's always people raiding. Um, 
and it's just it's just the content is good finally. Yeah. Like, not that not that I, I mean finally like it'd been bad for a long time. I'd always liked the lore for sure, but um, you know, just it feels like you're following the story that you're not too on the rails, but you're not too off of it. You still feel like you know what's going on. It like before, I feel like in Pandaria there was like a language barrier thing as well. Oh, and yeah, everything was yeah. brand new. I heard so complaining about that it's, shit. Like, it's really nice to see Warcraft getting back to Warcraft, especially in the wake of Chris Metzen leaving. Uh-huh. Um, I think it, it's nice to see that that franchise of all the franchises in a really good place. Right. So so they delivered on like giving everybody everything they asked for. All yeah, this, this is the fan serv this is the fan service expansion, yeah. like by far. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Well, I mean, all the, the health of all the games are strong, and I think that's why this BlizzCon is going to be dope. If you guys are going to be down there this mm-hmm. weekend, hit us up. Uh, I mean, I know we'll be at that desk, or you'll be at that desk. I'm going to be desk. running around the arena, so if you see me, just holler. But you, know? you guys can also get the virtual ticket, which is available on DirecTV yeah, and if online. Yeah, you're not going to be there. And you'll yeah. see all of our coverage. So all of the yeah. esports, all of Malik's interviews uh, with, the, with the teams um, and the players, and you'll see. I promise no awkward handshake. Please do your handshakes. You have to bring back a they handshake, got, they, at least one. But they one. can't be awkward. They got to be like smooth All right. and cool. It's okay, we're doing smooth yeah. handshakes. Yeah, okay, so move. get your smooth handshake from Malika BlizzCon. Oh, oh yeah, that, I'll see you guys you there. You made that sound hella questionable <laughs> just now. <laughs> the virtual ticket, guys. Um, all right, well, we do have a, a guest today. We're actually really excited. Uh, it's Pat Contry. You might know him as Pat the NES Punk. YouTube and beyond. He's the creator of Flea Market Madness, where he goes video game collecting and also has the completely unnecessary podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Malik. Michelle, what's going on? Not much, man. Didn't, didn't you make like a, a, a guide to like the entire Nintendo <laughs> library or something like that? <laughs> you, you say it like, it's like, well, wasn't this, this giant book out there that's offered? <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually uh, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library. Oh, so my I guess God. It, I, I guess it officially was released in September, if you want to call it that. There was a Kickstarter that launched last November. It did pretty well. And then finally, after some delays, which basically was me running around and adding more content and making sure it was as accurate as possible before print, it's finally out there. I was actually at Portland Retro Gaming Expo this past weekend, which is probably the biggest retro gaming convention in the U.S. Oh, that and so sold, sold, sold a bunch of copies, had a lot of fun broke my back lifting literally over a ton of books that i transported there um but yeah it's out there and it covers every nintendo game released between 1985 and 1995 on the original 8-bit can we just take a moment and appreciate the nintendo (laughs) super fan that we finally have we have been on the longest run of sega not say that we don't love sega i don't malik is the biggest sega but i was just such a Nintendo girl growing up, um, so it's really nice to have another like a big Nintendo super. Everybody got some Nintendo in them though. Like yeah. you had to. It's you one of the founding to. fathers. It is. It's just some people went on to play Sega. Yeah, where you know? are you from, Pat? I'm originally from New Jersey, and I moved out to San Diego in 2009. Okay. Nice. So, um, talk to us about your first like Nintendo experience. Like, what has made you? <laughs> Like who you fanatic. are now. Yeah. yeah. Like what oh, was that moment? What's that turning point? Which game? Oh my god, this is like the psychology. Game. Yeah. What I wanna it? know. Cause well, I mean, this is your life. It's it's crazy. Uh well, I didn't grow up with the NES being my first console. Uh my father had a, a, one of those Coleco standalone Pong systems that ate like D batteries. <laughs> you know, yeah. way back. We're talking mm-hmm. systems from the late seventies. Then my cousin had an Atari twenty six hundred, which is you know the granddaddy yep. of Home I had it too. 
but then the NES started to pop up. I grew up with a, an IBM PC, so I basically had to know how to use DOS when I was five to run games, which was fun. Isn't that weird? Like, when you think back on it, we had a Commodore 64, and like, but it's that crazy, like, I was writing, lang- like, coding language, and I didn't even know it when I, like, five and six. You don't realize it. I think that it helped me actually to learn to read and write mm-hmm. because if, if I didn't know how to do that, I couldn't play video games. Right. That's, that's the honest truth. Yeah. Uh, I'm with but you. then what what happened was um, once I got to grade school, you started hearing about this system called Nintendo, and then I remember specifically it was the fall of 1987, mm-hmm. and 87 is the year that the NES really started blowing up a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I heard that my my friend Kevin had the system. He told me, and he was a town over. So I took my <laughs> little uh, my little uh, BMX bike, little uh, cheap one from Kmart, uh, <laughs> rode it about a mile, mile and a half to his house. And then I'll never forget we played games like Top Gun, yeah, and then and then Kung Fu downstairs in his finished basement, while uh, plates of uh, hot uh, steak, green peas, and mashed potatoes sat there. <laughs> 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 I'll never forget the game being on pause, Kung Fu, like in the, in the middle of his, his iconic, uh, Tommy's iconic kick there. Yeah. Um, and then that was my first really Nintendo playing experience. And of course, I had to badger my parents to get it for Christmas. Of course. And, and then it happened. And then they had to wait in line at Toys R Us forever to get oh. games after that. <laughs> one of those yellow tickets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. They had the tickets. So they basically, it was basically like a, like a casino uh, yeah. Cash, cash out. You had to buy, get the ticket. You buy the ticket. You go to the back wall, or not just video games. Like they probably had a bicycle, strollers, uh, cabbage patch kids. Those were the craze in, in the yeah. early '80s, and that's how you picked up your video games when you bought them. Yeah, I remember when Super Mario Two came out, and there was like this long line, and we were the last people to get a ticket. The last people in there. So happy to have it. But um, it's like IRL DRM. Yeah. <laughs> that's a the dirt, long the dirty acronym. Secret, the dirty secret. <laughs> The dirty secret was some kids would take the tickets home yeah. so they would have the money and then come back with them. So half the time you go to Toys R Us and not see the tickets left for the game and you thought it was sold out when it really wasn't, though. Yeah. Some, yeah. some dirty snot-nosed kids just took the tickets home. I always, I always made sure I went to the back and asked, like, you sure you don't got this game? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, seriously. So, all right. So then how did you decide to, like – make it a career like at, you you became such a fanatic of it became such a big part of your life did it follow you through college and everything like did you have the consoles with you all the time well college is basically when i uh, rediscovered the system so right. i sold my nes probably at a yard sale when i was about i don't know a teenager in high you school sold it because, at a yard sale yeah that's oh. what we did back then oh yeah well, back uh, then i mean i still have my original and i was born in 78 baby so, like, <laughs> uh, is that some weird judgment you're passing on me now? Mr. I'm just Kel? saying. I'm just saying. I still have my original. If you don't, it's okay. I'm just glad in you. It's you, have, you, have more, you have more cred than me? Anyway, <laughs> no, so. absolutely not. So, so you what, sold it for how much? I don't know. Five bucks. I mean, this was... Because here's the thing. Because I basically almost skipped over the Super Nintendo entirely and just went to straight to PC gaming. Because remember, yeah. in the early 90s, PC gaming was miles ahead of any console. With mm-hmm. CD-ROM technology, you had uh, full motion video, you have re- real audio. So I went straight to PC gaming in the early 90s, never let up. Yeah. Uh, because the games were so much more sophisticated. Like, speaking of BlizzCon, you know, playing games like Warcraft 1 and 2 I had right, right. when they came out. Uh, you know, the originators of, you know, what we have today with mm-hmm. World of Warcraft. So what happened was college, the internet, huh? Not just Napster. 
it was also where I discovered a website called CSR's NES Archive, which had oh. very esoteric articles about really obscure and weird games like Wally Bear and the No Gang, an unlicensed anti-drug game. The Wisdom Tree Bible game, Christian-themed games like Bible Adventures. And oh, Joshua wow. And Exodus. I wonder and how those games are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get hand- I want to get a hold of one of them. Yeah. So at that point, I, I said to myself, I want to maybe delve back into this console that I had as a kid because I didn't know half of this stuff was on it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know the library was 800 games or so. So I went out and I bought one at Funko Land, which GameStop swallowed <laughs> oh, Land. I missed that place so much. <laughs> that was the, the best place to buy games at Funko Land. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. Just for the demo setups. Yeah. But for that point on, I started collecting. I started going to the flea markets in the late 90s, started searching out Funko Lands. There was a lot of used mom and pop game shops still that also did like uh, VHS sales. And I found those as well and started beefing up uh, the collection. So I've been collecting uh, almost 20 years at this point. Wow. Wow. So how many total do you have? Uh, Just NES games? Yeah. Uh, If you include the box doubles, uh, probably a thousand or so. Jeez. Wow. That's serious. (laughs) Which, Which NES game do you think is the hardest out of all of them? The most difficult NES game? Well, you have like two categories. You have difficult because it was designed to be difficult, <laughs> yeah. and you have difficult because it was programmed terribly. Yeah, yeah. So All right. Game like a game like Secret Scout, which was an unlicensed game by Color Dreams, which is just uh, just a programming nightmare in terms of floaty controls, the poor hit detection, and you probably can't find more than five people on the planet that legitimately beat that game on a system. Yeah. But then you have a game like uh, Google 13 Top Secret Episode, uh, which was pretty popular when it came out. Uh, you know, sort of an adult-themed uh, espionage game that yeah. had these 3- 3D mazes that were, for the time, pretty well done, that were, like, multi-tiered with, like, multiple trap doors on each yeah. level. That If you didn't draw out a map, you were just done. And if you oh. were an eight-year-old playing the game, you were just out of your element. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, those are games my parents would not let me have. There's no way. I think the most difficult one I had was uh, Ghosts and Goblins, and I hated it. And still to this day, it's just that game, like... It was impossible. You'd always end up with the fireball. You get hit once, and you would have no armor. You'd get your all your whole set of armor come out, and you'd be in your underwear. Um, yeah, and then you would like get to the end. Like the one time we got to the end, and he's like, "Just kidding, this was a joke. Yeah. Like you have to redo it." it. What the hell is this sadistic journey? Yeah, I mean that just this is all just goes to show you how far we've come with like people playing games and like adapting to like gaming in general. To now, like games are so much more like complex now yeah and and people were picking up on them just like in a day less than that you know just yeah. simply because like we've grown like as our mind capacity has grown to play games like by league since back then you know? yeah it's true are you, are you saying our minds evolved in terms of gaming yes they have <laughs> Finally. i don't i'm not entirely sure i think there were some games especially on the pc that were very complex especially in the 80s you're talking simulation titles you're talking mm-hmm. games like pirates. You're talking war simulators, but they were geared towards adults. That's the main difference. Yeah, I get what com- you're saying. The more complex games and complicated ones were marketed towards adults, and kids were left with the more sim- simplistic titles. And nowadays, I feel it's sort of melded together. Yeah, yeah, I hear. You. I guess, I guess, what I'm trying to say is, I feel like from a, a, a standpoint of like society in general, gaming's become a lot more just accessible for people. Right. Yeah, and maybe that's a testament to the games just being, I guess, dumbed down in a sense. Uh, <laughs> maybe not made more complex, 
But more people are catching on. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the, the and... games in the past were just massively unforgiving. I mean, you yeah, you would yeah. die, you'd miss a jump, and you're dead. Like that's just there was no respawning. Like you'd you'd lose all your lives yeah. at some point. It's a mixture between technology itself evolving and humans slowly catching well and figuring too that this is like something that we actually want to do it's more than just than just a game i suppose like that people that we play it because we love the stories and we get into it were there any nintendo games that stuck out to you uh like at like story-wise growing up that stuck with you throughout your life uh story-wise i always loved the ninja guiding uh tale yeah here's a here's a ninja that has to seek out his father who he thinks is uh dead and that turns out is a uh, spoilers is, is just uh, you know taken over by a demon named Jackio. You know it's you know cool stories like that. I think uh, some of the and by the way, Ninja Gaiden was one of the first games that had uh, like cutscenes. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. So I know that's that. a very that's important crazy. for the, uh, the genre. Like I said, mm-hmm. uh, Soul Thirteen Top Secret episode based on the longest running uh, anime, or excuse me, manga in in Japan. That's a very adult story that I'm surprised got past the, the uh, Nintendo censors because there's sex in there. There's getting people sniping people in the head. There's actually a little bit of blood. Uh, there's backstabbing. Uh, so that's a story that really stands out uh, as well. And of course, there's the iconic paper boy story, where you're uh, a little kid delivering papers, having to voice a grim reaper, <laughs> and grandma running out and trying to whack you with a cane. So it's the lore of the paper boy. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, most of the paper boy was like trying to like not die from getting hit by a car, which to me is like. <laughs> That that's already like scary enough, like not crashing. Yeah, that's pretty much. Well, what do you think about Nintendo from from then to now? I mean, obviously, you've probably paid no attention whatsoever to the Nintendo Switch news at all, <laughs> so you have no clue. But like, what, like how that must? Where are you at with that after seeing that commercial and everything? Uh, a very strange uh, release trailer. Like I, I like I said on <laughs> Twitter, remind me of Logan's Run. Oh no, my God! No one, no one over thirty exists in that trailer. So yeah. funny, and, and no children either. So it, it's like Nintendo is saying, "Okay, we kind of realized we went a little bit too kitty with the Wii U. We have to get the hipster crowd on board with this, and the kids <laughs> might follow automatically." Yeah, uh, it, it was very. Here's the, here's what I think about it. After the gi- gigantic amount of negative uh, press and response to the Wii U, I was actually pretty amazed by the overwhelmingly positive response to this uh trailer uh it's almost as if they feel like nintendo has to succeed and is throwing caution to the wind and backing it which is fine because i love nintendo and they deserve to have a a winner after the wii u crashed Mm -hmm. and burned Mm -hmm. uh but it's all going to come down to this the third party support consoles Mm -hmm. are only as good as the software that's available Uh, so if these third parties uh come on board and stay on board uh, people like E3, 2K, Bethesda, Activision, the big mm-hmm. ones, Square Enix, uh, Ubisoft will be there since they're there with the uh, the Wii U. Zombie U, yeah. Yep. If yeah. if they stay on board, the system has a really good chance of being pretty or very successful. Definitely, by default, it'll be more successful than the Wii U because this is going to be replacing both a handheld console, the 3DS, and a uh, a home console at the same time. People, I don't sure if people are, are bringing it up or not. So yeah. it by default will do better than the Wii U. Will it be as successful as a 3DS or better? That remains to be seen. However, you did have a lot of these companies, <coughs> EA, that said they were going to back uh, the Wii U and then er- abruptly pulled out. So it will depend right. upon how exactly. many how many consoles can Nintendo move 
by I'd say fall of next year. If it looks like it's going to be successful, you're going to you're going to have these third parties be like, okay, that's no problem porting over to this console as long as it's almost as powerful as the PS4 and the uh, Xbox One, which I don't see why it wouldn't be since the Switch has a few years head start on it. Yeah, and I, and also I think all that stuff is very important. You you hit the nail right in the head mm-hmm. with exactly how my my thoughts were on this. Also, I think another thing that's very important too is how is development going to be on this thing? I mean, with right. it running on the Tegra 4 processor, uh, not ne- that's not the typical processing for the other home consoles as far as porting goes. There's going to be a different dev kit. Uh, what is the cost of this dev kit? How easy is it going to be for the indie developers to get involved into making games if they want to do that? Uh, I mean, because like you said, I mean, if the third parties, the AAA, those guys are important. But I do feel like indies, to a certain extent, do a kind of shift the balance a little bit at least for playstation and i think they do quite well on nintendo yeah yeah i I mean nintendo's had solid indie backing up until now so how much will they embrace that with their home console Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's gonna be the telltale what did how how did you feel about the big esports scene in the middle of that commercial uh again that's sort of like in the dystopian uh future where the (laughs) world order takes over that's our only form of entertainment no more sports it's just esports and they're all nintendo games you know (laughs) Splatoon. So, Splatoon with teeny like, tiny controllers. <laughs> but what what's interesting about uh, what they show on that, and I don't know where that awesome basketball court was under a bridge where you go from playing real hoops to on your Nintendo Switch, they are <laughs> putting an emphasis on local multiplayer, which I think has been forgotten about largely mm-hmm. on the Sony and Microsoft side the yes. past 10 yes, or so definitely, years. Yes, absolutely. So that's Nintendo's strength. It's always been a strength with games like Smash Brothers. And they're going to capitalize on that with this system, which yeah, I think it's really cool. You have a portable that automatically has two controllers uh, built into it. I think that's really strong and it's a great idea. I mean, that's definitely good for like party games and everything. I mean, being able to take it with you. How do you think this is going to play in with the 3DS? Uh, I think the 3DS they're going is going to phase it long, out. Not long for this world. I mean, mm-hmm. how long has the 3DS been out at this point? Five years? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. if you count all the different iterations of it, like the original, like, DS and then the 3DS. Well, then that's been around yeah, since, since like the 90s, right? Or no, um, early 2000s. Yeah, I guess the dual screen setup has been around for quite a bit, and then they flipped it to the 3DS to give it a 3D. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. We have a Nintendo expert here. He can probably tell us. But the, the dual screens actually go back to the original Nintendo Game and Watch, and they in the early 80s, and they actually uh, got it out of mothballs uh, when when they did the uh, <laughs> the Game Boy DS. It surprises me sometimes. I mean, it, it. You know, I hear stuff like that with Nintendo. It's like sometimes they were so far ahead of their time, and then just something just they did it differently. Like I didn't know they had a watch that had a dual screen. Sure. Yeah. So that's the thing with Nintendo is that they are. We take it for granted that they're the innovators. They yeah. came up with the cross the crosshair pad, directional pad. That was them mm-hmm. again in the Game and Watch. It didn't exist before that. Yep. And now that's a. And now that's your default console. A sort of method. Yeah. They had the first analog controller on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. You know, they had they had the first controller with shoulder buttons on the Super Nintendo. So I mean, they really do try to push the envelope, but sometimes it backfires. Uh, the Virtual Boy being the probably <laughs> the biggest failure in the company's history that they discontinued within a year of its mm-hmm. launch. So they do get ahead of themselves. Sometimes it works spectacularly, like with the, with the Wii and motion controls. And people can get on the Wii being a casual console. It's not for real gamers. But because of the Wii, Nintendo's going to be solvent and won't have won't go out of business for the next 80 years, even if they lost money every year, since it made them so much money. 
Uh, you know, so you've got to give Nintendo credit. Yeah. They're, they're trying to do something different. And Microsoft and Sony, for the most part, either following Nintendo's lead or keeping it safe. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's so much to be said about that um, couch co-op experience that is just completely lacking. I mean, the only Malik came over the other day and we played some um, Gears of War for escalation mode and they had split screen on that. But I mean, it, it's not great. There's yeah. nothing. It's not. It's really not the same. It's not the same as like, you know, having your four split screens playing some Mario, Mario Kart, Kart Golden yeah. Eye, something like that. That's that was, you know, the, the sacred pastime, mm-hmm. you know, for our youth. So. Yeah, doesn't, really doesn't have it anymore. Um, so you go and you find a bunch of um, collectibles and whatnot for all of these systems on your show of Flea Market Madness, right? Uh, sure. So Flea Market Madness was one of the first, if not one of the pioneers of the game hunting, I guess, YouTube genre. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's very common where people are going out to flea markets and doing pickup videos. So I shot it in 2008 when the genre didn't really exist. Yeah. Um, and didn't even edit it for a year because I figured, oh, no one wants to watch this. <laughs> who, who wants to watch some idiot going to a dirt flea market <laughs> to search for stuff? So then I put up on the game trailers user submissions in 2009, rest in peace game trailers. Yeah. Um, and then it blew up. It got like 50,000 views. And in 2009, getting 50,000 views is like getting yeah. a million today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I was like, oh, I might be onto something here. Uh, so that along with my, uh, I guess, the uh, flagship Path NES Punk series, uh, that's when they began. That's crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. That's like super throwback. I want to go back to the switch for a little bit because <laughs> no, no, because I'm still I'm still sitting here and I'm still processing like the the fact that you know it, it's the first time in a long time for at least for me that I felt like Nintendo's just like on that they're they know what they were doing like they actually have like an idea. It doesn't feel like they're just like kind of going flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, with this with the switch, first off, do you plan on collecting all the games? No, absolutely. Not. <laughs> uh, I, I don't collect really for any console past the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, after that, I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm out of that. Uh, to me, because to me, the Dreamcast represented the cutoff. The Dreamcast yeah. was the last system that was promoted and used arcades to promote their console library. So for me, that's sort of the cutoff between retro gaming and modern gaming, at least in my mind. Other people have different definitions, but to me, that's it. You mentioned the Dreamcast. You Were you a fan of the Dreamcast as well? Oh. Dreamcast was outstanding. Yes. Uh, the, the Dreamcast was the first and ironically last console to be exactly like its arcade counterpart. Like that the games true. you had on yeah. the Dreamcast, Crazy Taxi, Soul Calibur, were exactly the arcade games. Yeah. And yeah. that was the last hurrah for arcades as we knew them back then. So oh, I'm going to pour one out for arcades right now. Yeah, know, right? yeah, seriously. Oh, man. <laughs> Hung I'm out in arcades like, oh, growing up. I'm um, so so on Flea Market Mar- Madness, then, do you try to fill the collection that you already have? Uh, sure. The The problem is, at least on the NES side, that's impossible at this point. Yeah. Besides, like, three games I'm missing, three or four games that if I've ever found them. Ooh, which ones are you missing? Let's give a shout out to those games. <laughs> okay. I'm missing a game called Cheetah Men 2, which was not technically released. It was this uh, active enterprise. There's developers in Florida who did the infamous Action 52, which is a broken compilation of mini-games. And they did a sequel called Cheetah Men 2, since Cheetah Men was on the first one. Oh. It was their kind of a way of trying to cash in on Ninja Turtles, except Cheetah Guys, basically. <laughs> Cheetah, Cheetah Guys. I like, I like <laughs> the sound of this. They even, had a, they even had a cartoon plan and wanted to do action figures. Uh, so that game was, was, was found in a warehouse by Mike Etler, who owned a game shop in, in 98. 
it was, and he put together the boxes and cartridges that, that were there and sold them to the collectors at the time for $10 each. There were roughly a thousand of them. And now the games go for over a thousand dollars each uh, nowadays amongst collectors. Uh, so I'm missing that game. Uh, and I'm also missing uh, the, uh, how do I del- delicately put this? The three adult NES titles put out by Panesian. Uh, <laughs> you don't uh, have to be delicate. Peekaboo <laughs> Poker. Oh, wow. Bubble Bath Babes. <laughs> yes. And Hot Slots. So, which, which Hot Slots is a... Um, <laughs> Great name hot slots, yeah. is what that is. It, it's a slot machine game. Oh, I'm and sure. When you get it, and when you get a certain amount of num- uh, monies in between rounds, you'll be uh, see a nice depiction of 8-bit ladies in various degrees of undress. With, with oh, sick. Awesome, awesome, All right. awesome English puns that have to do with their body parts oh my and, God. Sl- and slot machines. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, my Hot God. Hot slots. Hot yes, slots. there it is. There yeah. is the game. We, are, we're, we will help you find hot slots. <laughs> we hope you find it. I mean, there has to be at least like an emulator version out there, right? Right? Oh, yeah, of course. There's, there's ROMs uh, for all of these games. So if you guys want to sample it, here's your book report. Go and download the Hot Slots ROM, play it, and let me know what you think in the future. <laughs> I hope one of our listeners does that. Please do. It's, it's just funny because a game like that just would not fly nowadays. No. Not well, now. I don't know. I mean, you kind of see it with like... Dead, dead or Alive beach, beach Volleyball, and you see the big uproar with that. Well, I'm saying. And that's fly. not even, that's it's, nothing that comparatively to the to hot slots. Well, I'm saying, that game's not flying. <laughs> it's banned here in the U.S. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like that was available at Toys R Us or Kitty City or KB Toy Store. That was only uh, available at rental stores as, as basically a rental. So the, that's yeah, what yeah. So you're price. missing four games and one and three of them are, are erotic. Uh, erotic. That's a, if you can call that erotic. Sure. <laughs> um, Eight bit erotic. <laughs> actually, Bubble Bath Babe is actually a pretty decent puzzle game. Oh, okay. And, and Peekaboo Poker is a strip poker title. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? So, what's the best thing you found on your adventures? The best things, video game like related? for you, like for you personally, that you found oh, while man, you're I'm doing flea about- market madness. What did you find? Hell, I'm happy. I found a, a shoe rack I needed when I moved to San Diego. <laughs> $5 brand new shoe rack. I mean, it's, I, I found a military grade a night vision scope one time for $10. Damn. That's worth between $1,500 and $2,000. A night vision scope, like a, a a scope you put on. Like a gun? A rifle? You attach, yeah, attached to a rifle. Dang. It still scores for that much? Second generation military grade a night vision. Uh, yeah, I found that. You definitely need one of those in your back pocket. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just in case. Just not um, in terms of video game stuff, I found uh, I don't know a box Atari Jaguar console for twenty five bucks. It's probably worth, I don't know two hundred at least. Especially you in know, the box. Like what was that? Especially in the box. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, I found a, a very hard to find NES game called Zombie Nation uh, <laughs> for fifteen dollars at the time. Game. I think it was worth about one hundred and forty. Probably worth a lot more now, which is a bizarre shooter. If you buy a certain NES guidebook, you might learn be able to. Learn yeah. <laughs> Nice. You ever see yourself selling your collection for for like the, the ultimate price? What what like a million dollars? Take it or leave it sort of deal. It's like a, a like an oil sheik out in Saudi Arabia or something. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it, it really depends. <laughs> I think once you hit that magic number of, of four zero, uh, you you start start to reevaluate like for your sort of your priorities. Mm-hmm. However, I've sort of parlayed my collecting and video game knowledge into I guess the second career in terms of having the yes. book. I have a charity uh, NES marathon every year. Oh, what's uh, that? 
Uh, I, oh, I feel like I've, I've, I've definitely heard of it, but let's tell everybody about it, too. Well, segue, uh, <laughs> I've been doing the NES Parity Marathon benefiting children's hospitals since 2010. Uh, how that started was in 2010, it was the 25th anniversary of the release of the NES, which was October 18, 1985, in uh. test markets in Christed area. And in 2010, retro gaming was a little popular, but not nearly how it's blown up even the past six years. So no one really was celebrating the 25th anniversary of the home console that saved the console market in North America, it's video true. game console market. So I had a grand idea, which was also insane, which is are most of my ideas. They're grand and insane. <laughs> what if one person played That's why you every... got the sniper rifle. <laughs> Just kidding. Go what ahead. If every... Every, what if someone played every NES game in a row? Wow. And that's what we did for 32 hours. Dang. My friend Ian and I, who's co-host of my completely unnecessary podcast. So we, and we raised money for Child's Play Charity the first few years. Nice. We switched to the Children's Miracle Network the past four or five. And now it's a little more sane. Uh, it's still a 24-hour live marathon. But now people donate when we play the games they want us to play. And there's challenges. There's also cameos from big YouTubers like Andre Meadows of Black Nerd Comedy, James Rolfe, who's Angry Video Game Nerd, uh, Gerard Khalil, the Completionist, mm -hmm. and, and others. Uh, so it's, it's become a, a pretty grand event. Uh, so that's going to be November 12th and 13th, which, yeah. coincidentally or not, is one day after the release of the NES Classic Edition. Yeah, I, I bet you're pretty pumped about that. Uh, I am just because I just released this massive book that took me three years to do, and I also have <laughs> I also have an NES app that's on the way. So if there's any time for Oh, release, you, that's awesome. Yeah, I have an app coming out, too, because who needs time to sleep? Uh, so, right, of course. <laughs> so it's, 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 if, if there's any, ever going to be a time in human history where the NES was going to get back into the public eye, it'd be right now, because the NES Classic Edition is going to sell millions upon millions at Targets and Walmarts and GameStops. Oh, yeah. GameStops what day does that come out again? Uh, the NES Classic Edition is going to be November 11th. November 11th. I have a prediction. Oh, awesome. That's going to come out like the same week that the female is going to be president. We're going to get a new NES. Like, life is going to be good <laughs> that week. God, life's going to be good. Yeah. I actually have a prediction. What? My prediction is that the NES Classic is going to outsell the Wii U or what the Wii U did. Oh, I, I can believe that for sure. Yeah. It has a shot. It does because those are. Atari flashback systems sell a million or two on their own, and that's the Atari 2600. Mm -hmm. The NES is wildly more popular yeah. than that for lots of reasons we can get into or not, so I think it'll do extremely well. I mean, everybody wants one. I don't know anybody that doesn't at this point. It comes I, to 30 games, right? Uh, yes, and I've had people come up to me, uh, like I had a, a, a panel at Comic-Con about retro video games and video game history, and I mentioned that to a random person, you know, guy in his 50s, and he brought up the NES Classic Edition to me. Like he did, he's not a gamer. He's not a retro gamer, but he heard about it. I have people uh, telling me about, yeah, my coworkers are talking about it, and they're they're not into retro gaming, but they they're excited for this. So this is this is gonna be like the Tickle Me Elmo 2016. I know, right? It is. People are gonna lose their shit when this comes out. Um, Tickle Me Elmo. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, good analogy. Do you think it's you? Do you think do you foresee that it uh, expands on its library past these 30 games, or you think they're just gonna stick with it as is? Well, Nintendo has announced that there's not going to be any add-ons and there's going to be no Wi-Fi connectivity, no virtual shop. But I do see there being potentially either another edition or definitely uh, a Super Nintendo version down oh, the line. Oh, you're right, a Super oh, Nintendo version. I'm, I'm just surprised they come out with it last year to capitalize on the 30th uh, yeah. system being out. You're right. Dang, yeah. That's totally it what they're going to do. probably has something to do with the water. They probably 
timing wise, that game was pretty mm-hmm. devastating. Could yeah, be. That's true. Could be. Possibly. That's true. Um, all right. Well, we're getting into our, uh, this is where we do slow fire. Uh, questions actually Jesse Cox ended up renaming it slow fire so it's slow fire now (laughs) and and so we're gonna ask you five questions about gaming that are so important they really are very serious questions I hope you're ready (laughs) yeah man yeah the first question is this is about your worst enemy because we're gonna put your worst enemy in a room and give you the power to grant them one game that they can play for eternity what game is that hot slots Hot slots. <laughs> Hot slots. Well, be, it, wouldn't that be like actually like not that bad a thing? I guess I don't know. Uh, I've never played it. Play, play, Malik, play it and get back to me. Okay, like, that's your All right. homework. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Which, in your opinion, is the sexiest Tetris piece? I have a feeling you've thought about it before. Uh, the sexiest piece. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I I think that that square. <gasps> has some junk in the trunk going on. Oh, yeah. only number two for the square. We have hardly anybody ever said square. Only oh three. Three. That's number three. That's the third one. Third person who's picked the square. Not many. Or, not or many picked the square. The, the square may maybe the jump, the actual jump. Now I think about it. It's the girth. That's what you like. It's cool. <laughs> it's That's thick. cool. That's that good. Thickness. I love it. All right. Yeah. Cool. Good. Good choice, man. Uh. All right. So you are an adult film star, and we put you in, in a room in a bed. You mm-hmm. have the lights hot fixed. Hot. Hot slots. Hot slots. <laughs> well, all right, all right. You got You're the lights. In the middle of hot slots. You, 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 there's tons of hot slots around you. <laughs> there's also lights and a camera fixed on you as well. And you're waiting for your co-star to come through the door. Uh, what video game character do you not want to see walk through the door? You mean they're dressed up as it? No, it means that they are it. It's like the I, character. I'm scared that they're be dressed up as a. Uh, hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know, Bonk from Bonk's Adventure. That's oh, Bonk and Boom. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that's a that's a throwback. He's like, nah, he doesn't want that one. The first time I saw that game was on this uh, old show on Nickelodeon called Nick Arcade. I, I actually met Fillmore uh, a few months back. You say, uh, you don't say. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. I, it, I, I, geeked, I geeked the hell out when I met Fillmore. I was like, oh my God. Fillmore was uh, that dude. <laughs> And then when Fillmore actually said he knew who I was, I like I like almost passed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is crazy. Um, all right. Uh, what's your go-to smack talk word when you're playing games, online games? You, you, bad game player. You. Wow. <laughs> I don't smack talk. I'm too uh, positive Aww. when it comes to it. Well, what, what like do you it. say then? then how, do you Kill flip it then? Do you just flip it and say nice stuff? Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm I was a competitive Unreal Tournament player back oh. in the day. I was just saying, good game, GG baby. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a good one, GG. GG baby. GG is all you baby. gotta do. Ooh. That's it. Ooh. I like it. All right. Yep. Last one. Um, this one is a question, especially made for you. Uh, which Nintendo console, through and through, from head to toe, do you consider the best? And you might be biased to say NES. I think that was that's the preconceived notion here. <laughs> but for some reason, I think your answer might be different. So take it away. Your favorite wow, Nintendo. You're putting me on the spot. On the spot, bro. All-around all best library, everything. Yep. And I'm telling Gerard whatever you say. You know Gerard? <laughs> you know Gerard? <laughs> yeah, I know him. Yes, I, you tell him well, you met Michelle. <laughs> I hate to say it, but... but me, I don't hate to say it, but the Super Nintendo built upon wherever the NES mm-hmm. did. and took it one step further and there are lots of lots of genres 
on the Super Nintendo that while you could try on the NES, like fighting games and strategy, you really pulled off to a much larger extent and better extent on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So if I had to pick one console, I'm not saying it's my favorite, but in terms of, I think, overall power, the controller, versatility, I'd have to go for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Nice. We had bets that if you were going to actually pick the NES or if you were going to go with something different. So yeah. that was, I, I figured, the SNES. I figured it'd be SNES or N64, so I'm happy. Awesome. All right. Uh, Pat, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Let's, let, where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. At the NES Punk. It's also my YouTube channel. My book's available at ultimatenes.com, physical and digital versions. And most importantly, the seventh annual NES Marathon benefiting the Children's Miracle Network is going to be November 12th and the 13th. And we're going to announce that very soon. By the time you listen to this, it's already announced and going to be on the way. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much for yeah. stopping by Status Effect Pod. Remember, you guys, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Status Effect pod yep at michelle morrow and at malik foreplay yep and also remember to uh rate you know yes and thank you to everybody who has been uh you know giving us some good ratings yeah we really really love it all right guys until next time peace out Steven Kramer Glickman. You guys know me from a TV show Big Time Rush. You may know me as Trevor on Workaholics, but uh, some of you just know me as a comedian. And guess what? Uh, I've got this awesome show. It's called The Nighttime Show, and we're doing it right here on Sideshow Network. You can check out the show live at the Hollywood Improv, but guess what? You can also check out the podcast, which is going to be here from now on on the Sideshow Network. It's really, really cool. I'm bringing my entire team, all my all my guys, and some of the most incredible people you've ever met. Uh, look, it's a live late night show. We have uh, we do uh, great stuff, uh, bits. We talk hey, about hey, things Steven? that are happening in the news. Uh, comedians come on the show. Rappers come on the show. Famous voiceover actors. People from your childhood. It's a very un- unpredictable show. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable, but it's always a lot of fun. All right. Hey, hey Stephen. Yes, Robbie. Stephen, your your car's on fire. Okay. Uh, look, it's uh, the night. Time show is every Wednesday with me, Stephen Kramer Glickman. And if you're in Hollywood, join us live at the Hollywood Improv for the stage show. Steven, you are Steven, not going to forget it. Steven. Uh, check improv.com for uh, more details. Stephen, I tried peeing on the fire and it only made it angrier. Why would you pee on the fire? Because I'm trying to put the car out. Robbie. The car is on fire, Stephen. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. Okay, listen, guys. Download, uh, download, rate the show, uh, subscribe on iTunes, or uh, check with us on the Sideshow Network uh, TV slash Nighttime Show. Stephen, hurry! Your Academy Award winning car is on fire. <laughs> oh Stephen, you're my ride home. I gotta go. My car is Stephen, on fire. Stephen, the fire is angry. My car, my car is on fire. I gotta go.